0: This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. Since we've started, there's been one passage out of the book of Ephesians that from time to time I've really felt the Lord kind of just laid it on my heart for us and And we've read it a lot during our benedictions, kind of how we close out our services. But I wanted to read it as we started the message today. It's going to be on the screen. It comes out of Ephesians 3. It's a prayer that as the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, he writes this prayer into the middle of this letter. And it is, A challenging prayer. Let's look at it and read it together. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me as we read Scripture together. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask dream, or imagine. To him who is that big, to a God that is that large, to a story that's that overarching, let me just ask you a very honest question this morning. Is the story of your life a living testimony to that? If I were to sit back and let your life play before me, if we were to all sit back and even look at my life and let it play before all of us, would our lives reflect a God that Scripture tells us is more than we could ever ask dream, or imagine that he loves us and longs to do something like that through us. Are our lives a living testimony? If I look at your story, is it a testimony to that? And the thing is, is that Many of us in our hearts right now would would say, no, it's not. That's if honestly, it I, I want it to be. I mean, I that's the kind of life I want to live, but but if I stop right now and just gain some perspective over my life, it, it just doesn't look like that. And In the context of Luke 15, Jesus is challenging us what kind of story we will live with our lives. Are we going to live a story that is a testimony to that kind of God? Or are we going to write our own thing? I'd like to take a moment and just talk about what a good story is because story is something that's worth thinking about. What actually composes a good story because think about it, good stories tend to have some universal characteristics. Whether it's Braveheart, I went, Braveheart is my favorite movie. And I went to bed a little bit late last night. My wife and I have this tension. All right. She likes to fall asleep to a movie. If there's a movie on, I can't fall asleep. All right. And so and so I get into bed and she has the beginning of Braveheart. Braveheart's like seventeen hours long. And it's midnight, and there he is. There's William Wallace. I mean, it is tough for me to turn that movie off in the middle of it because there's some things about that movie that just engage me, but the characteristics of a good story somehow replicate themselves in every story. So if we go to uh, a Christmas story, if we go to um, these great works like Romeo and Juliet, we'll see the same Components playing. This is real simply what a good story is. A good story is always based on a character that wants something and is willing to overcome conflict to get it. A good story is always based on a character that wants something that is willing to overcome conflict to so get it. Now Let's just kind of think about those principles there for a moment. A character. Here's something I want you to understand about story as God reveals it to us. Good stories are always centered on people. How much of our lives are lived around something that 's not a people, right? I said that on purpose all right <laughs> how much How much of our lives are spent like is it a good story if it's like a a dude who's it's it's just a Volvo sitting in the the driveway? Does that make a great story it doesn't. God uses people, and so there's something about wanting that inserts itself in there and and in our context we would call that a a divine calling that there's a purpose that's attached to that person but most of us just want it to be those two things we feel really good about it just being it's me and I'm, I'm really going after having a good family. I want to have a really good family. Well, it's not a good story unless there's conflict. You see, William Wallace at the beginning of Braveheart moves back to Scotland with the pursuit of one thing, to marry his childhood sweetheart and to raise a family. And when she's killed, his purpose gets a lot bigger because he couldn't have that, so he wants everyone else to be able to have that. There's conflict that inserts itself, and it leads to this grand story. Let's take a moment and go back to Luke 15, and I want to kind of unpack this because it is very important for you to understand that there is always a tension between two stories going on. And that presents as Jesus tells the prodigal story at the end of Luke 15. Just to paraphrase it again for you, a father has two sons. The youngest of the two asks for his portion of the inheritance. That essentially means a third of his father's estate. In response to that, the father agrees to this. It is an extremely insulting request. It means literally I would rather you be dead. Just give me the money that I would get when you die. So the father has to liquidate livestock, sell portions of land. He does, gives him the fortune he leaves and spends it on wild living. One day comes to his senses. He's actually a servant feeding pigs. And as Jesus is telling that story, he has a Hebrew audience. They're Jews. Pigs are unclean. That is the worst job that he could have landed in. And he is so hungry and poor after spending all of that money that he wants to eat the food that he's feeding the pigs. And in coming to his senses, he realizes that his father's Slaves, servants, live a lot better than he does. And so he sets out to return home. And when he does, his plan is to say, I've sinned against you, just please receive me as a servant. But the father sees him walking down the road from a long way, runs out, embraces him, kisses him, puts a ring on his finger, a robe around his neck symbolically receiving him back into the family as a son. And then he gives the orders to start a party and to prepare a celebration. Jesus then cuts to later in the day when the older son, the one who had stayed behind, who had been faithful, comes and returns from the field. When that happens... The older son is upset. He refuses to go into the party. And there, there's a problem at this point because he, he is separating from his family, so the father comes out to him. He's upset. I've, I've been a slave to you. I've slaved over our property and what you've asked. I've done everything you've asked me to do, and you haven't even given me a goat to celebrate with my friends And the father responds to him, this brother of yours was dead. He is now alive. He was lost and is now found. We had to celebrate. Each son is telling a different story. And when there's a different story that's being told, other than what the father wants to tell about us, we have really blown one of those or more of those elements that we talked about of story. You see, the son, the younger son, he was telling upon return the story of, I've been a failure. The best I can be, the best that I could ever be is to be your servant and he's the father is saying i'm your father you're not a failure you're my son the older son is saying i've been faithful i've been a slave i've been so faithful and the father's saying no no you got that messed up no you've you've always been my son i'm your father we're not slaves that's not how this works so there's this tension between the story and the that the son is telling about himself and the what the older or the father is telling about them and you see which story we choose to accept will define the story that we live out it will define the elements in our story, And we have to choose in our lives which story we're going to live. Are we going to live our story? Are we going to live the story that we would like to write about ourselves? Or are we going to live his story? Now, I'd like to go back through those three elements that we talked about and and give you just some practical advice as we go back and look at Luke 15 and the prodigal story to help define for you as we close this sermon series down what it really means to embrace his story in our lives because I honestly believe that God has destined every person to make a significant impact in his kingdom. We believe that as a church. I believe that that doesn't mean that you come here and, and we preach the most, the most significant impact for most of us that we could ever make is outside of this room. In your world. And Jesus tells us in Acts 1 that it's to be a witness to him. Right? It's not even us making up our own story that we're witnessing to him. So in that context, let's talk about what it means to live his story when we look at character. See, great stories always have great character. I love Forrest Gump, man. I could, I wish Forrest Gump was real. Don't, don't you? I mean, if Forrest Gump was real, I would, I would pay a lot of money to sit down with that dude. You know what I mean? I would. That I'm serious. That I mean that as that story unfolds, that character is so rich. William Wallace in the context of Braveheart is just like, I want that sword. I I can't even pick it up, but I want it. You know? Great stories always have great characters. And we have a decision to make when it comes to our lives. And that decision is who's going to be the main character in your life it can be one of three choices it can be you somebody else or jesus and for some of us when we look back and i'm going to be honest with you this is the this is the struggle for me that we look back and I I go I I have been the main character of this. This this has been all, that was all about me. Because the main character that we choose in our life will greatly define how we interact with the story that God writes through our lives. Because let me just tell you some things about that if you allow yourself to be the main character in your life, you will break people around you. Because people around you will become pawns in your story. And if you let somebody else be the main character in your story, they will break you. But when Jesus becomes the main character in our story, our failures all of a sudden aren't necessarily failures. They're testimonies, aren't they? Because the story's not about me. It's It's not about what I've done. It's about what? He's done. It's about who He is. And my faithfulness, my faithfulness is not a badge or a ribbon that I get to wear. Because my faithfulness was given to Him. It wasn't for me. I'm not the main character. So if you want to write a better story, let Jesus be the main character in your story. So a good story is a character that wants something that overcomes conflict to get it. So let's talk about what it means to want something. Because... There's a a part of wanting something that we just need to talk about in our world. We're we're on the verge of going into this season, all right? And I want you to understand that it it is one of the grossest seasons in American culture because everyone around us works to cultivate that we would want something that we don't need. And we live, all of us, everybody in this room lives in this tension of wanting. I have friends in South Carolina. He's one of our overseers. He's a a pastor at North Point Community Church who works with Andy Stanley Pastors. The uh, Columbia Church, which which is a campus of North Point. J.D. and his family, for the month of November, Decided that they wanted to give generously to a charity that's local in Columbia. So their family, not just them, they have three small children, decided that the way that they would do that, they, I mean, J.D. makes nothing. Like they have sacrificed exponentially to get that church started. And so to create room in their budget to give, they decided as a family that six nights out of the week, they would eat rice and beans. Now their kids decided it. You see, because what we want creates the tension in our lives. And if we want the wrong thing, we will live in the wrong tension. A great story is not about a guy who wants to work real hard and save some money and buy a Volvo. All right? That is not a great story. But there's something be said about what we want because what we want inserts and leads us to that next phase that we talked about of what a good story is so if you'd like to live a better story let me just give you this want Jesus first Want Jesus first. You want to be a better husband? Want Jesus first in your your marriage. You want to be a better father, a better mother? Want Jesus to be first in your family. You want to be a better employee, a better boss? Want Jesus first at your workplace. And can I tell you something? If you can't want Jesus first, you probably shouldn't want it at all. Because what we want leads us into conflict. What we want leads us into conflict. And the thing about conflict is conflict will always stand in a great story between a character and what they want. It's never a great story if they just want it and they get it, is it? Is it good for us if that's how it works in life? Now, some of us got kids. Is it great when your kids just want something and all you do is just hand it to them? That don't work real good, does it? After a while, that's just going to keep mushrooming on you. That's a bad plan. If you're living in that plan, let me just give you some advice. Break out of that story, all right? Conflict always stands, and in our minds, we have conditioned ourselves to think that conflict is a negative thing. We've conditioned it. Because when we're in a relationship and we start having some fights with our friends, what do we do? We stop answering phone calls. We stop hanging out. And we stop spending time. When you got that person at work, and we all got them, bless their hearts, right? That's for you, Gabe. We all got those people at work, right? And what do you do? What do we all do? We avoid them. You see them walking down the hall, you duck into somebody's office like you got some business or something. We've become conditioned to think conflict is bad. Here's why. Because there's a tension that we're always going to live in. It's always there. It's never going to leave between comfort and conflict. It's always there. It's And, and can I just... Give you something that is going to free you up as we talk about this. Conflict never goes away. It doesn't. It just doesn't. So what we need to do is we need to embrace conflict as a part of the journey to get closer to Jesus. If we want Jesus, we need to embrace conflict as a means of getting closer to Him. Today, just to help you guys out, I thought it would be wise to walk through some dimensions of conflict. Now, there's things that That these are these are areas that to be honest with you, they don't they don't get they don't get better. The first one, let me just talk about it, financial conflict. How many of you in here right now would say we don't have enough money? How about everybody's hands went up? We used to have to say I have at at our last church, we would say this on staff. You said someone say, You know what a millionaire has? And we say, a millionaire's problems, because you don't know. Everybody thinks, well, if I could just make this much more money, we'd be all right. I mean, all of our bills would be paid, everything would be covered. And that's not how it works, folks. There's always going to be tension in your relationships when it comes to money. There's always conflict when it comes to money. I mean, let's, let's just be honest about it. We live in a culture anymore where most of us aren't getting paid what we're worth. All right, that's, that's just the honest truth about the hiring market right now. But can I be honest with you? People don't ever get paid what they think they're worth. Really. Really. I mean, that's just a rare thing. And if we've decided what kind of story we're going to live, it helps to find a way that we navigate conflict, okay? So let me walk through this with you. If I've decided that Jesus is my main character, everything that I go through, what I really want is to want Him first. That means that I'm going to embrace His story in my life. When I walk through some tension with my finances... Whose plan am I going to execute first? His plan. And most of us, when we get to that point where there's conflict, what do we do? We default back to our plan. And so there's a little bit of questions because there's medical bills that came up this month. And, you know, I mean, we had this budget thing worked out so that we could give. But I don't know that we can give this much this month because, man, this medical bill came up. What? I mean, just let me just ask that. What? What you just said is God's story is secondary. Secondary. That's exactly what you're saying. The story, that, the plan that God has given me, the path that He has put in my life, it is secondary to what I have to do for other people. Let's talk about relational conflict, okay? When dealing with people, man, you're always going to have conflicts with folks. It's just going to happen. If you've been married long enough, you know that. If you got you some kids, you know that too. All right? Conflict in the confines of a relationship is just a part of it. The Bible teaches us that it is good for us. Proverbs says it's like iron sharpening iron. That means there's friction. That means that there's times that we're going different directions, and there's going to be some conflict in there. But when it happens, when that conflict happens, if I've chose that Jesus is the main character in the story that I'm living, and what I ultimately want in the context of everything in my life is to follow Jesus and to live out his story, I want him first in the context of a relationship, even when there are gross Offenses. I go back to that. I mean, I sat in my office on the same day, on the exact same day, two of my good friends found out that their wives had had an affair. Two totally different sets of friends, two totally different sets of circumstances. But I watched both of them commit in their heart that even though there had been gross offense, that they wanted to honor Jesus and they walked through a season of restoring that relationship. You see, when there's conflict in a relationship, most of us want to ask, what's in in it for me? I mean, how's this going to work out for me? But when I've chosen to let Jesus be the main character, I look back and go, well, you know what? There wasn't anything in it for him. The only thing that he got out of all of this, the only thing he got was my sin and the cross. That's it. That's a bad deal, folks. And so when I look back and decide you know what, I want him first. He's the main character. You know, it's, it's all about honoring him. It's not about getting revenge. It's not about being in control. It's about honoring him. It's gonna be conflict that we're gonna walk through in life. It's gonna push against us. I'm promising you that. All right, it's coming. If it isn't there, like praise Jesus and then eat, you know. I mean, let's just get ready for some, because it's coming anyway. But there's a over Arching conflict that we all live in. To be honest with you. And the other the other day, I was flipping through the channels and I found a show that I watched when I was a little kid. Now, some of y'all are gonna feel weird when I say that it was on Nick at Night because this played when y'all were watching TV when you were an adult. I'm sorry, it was on Nick at Night when I was a kid. I'm that young. I'm 35. But this show reminds me of this tension that there's a conflict that we live in. And I'm going to have them play this video. But there's one rule, and it's a rule for all the music today. you got to sing along with it. Is that all right with you? Y'all sing along with this song. Y'all ready? We ready? Let's watch this. Now, y'all remember the show, right? Y'all remember that? Y'all remember every episode, it would be something crazy that would happen on that on that island, and, and it would be threatening their lives, and they would work. I don't know how they had all the stuff that they had on that island and couldn't get off that thing. That doesn't make any sense to anybody, right? But at the end of every episode, whatever problem had emerged, they solved it. And we all felt a little bit better, but at the end of every episode, they were still stranded on an island. They're still stranded. And that's how many of us, that right there, that's how many of us navigate conflict in our lives. See, we don't have a story that conflict is propelling. And so it's a new problem, and we work to solve it. But at the end, we're just trapped in the same mess. That's why this is so important. Because if you haven't defined your story, if you haven't defined your story, it will happen by default. If you don't work to define your story, it will be defined by default. And default will be yours, all right? <laughs> That's a bad joke. That's like a joke my dad would make. He's over there. I'm sorry, Dad. So, as we, as we get ready to close, I want to just let you know a couple things that that we're we're going to do for you. This series uh, was born out of uh, a really intense year and a half of me pursuing God and preparing to plant this church. It started actually when I read a book by uh, a pastor out of New York City named Tim Keller. He wrote a book called The Prodigal God. It is Uh, a perspective on Luke 15. And uh, a little over a year ago, I read uh, a book by Donald Miller Miller called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, which is about story and how story works in our lives. And in the context of those two things, God really worked in my life and kind of merged this Idea of us living his story as we look at Luke fifteen, not living our own story. And so, what I wanted to do was to make those books available to you. Now, if you were to go to a bookstore and buy them, they would be about thirty bucks for you. Okay, um, but what we're going to do is is we're we're just going to take some pre orders today. And if you're willing to pay $20, we will lose money on that, okay? We will order them for you so that you can have them to read. All right, I promise you that those are the two most influential books that I have read in a very long time. Now, at guest services today, there's a sign-up. If you're interested in that, sign up so I know how many to order, all right? Just so we know, so we can order that and put those in your hands, I promise you it will take the idea of living his story in your life to a new level rather than just sitting on what we've done in here. The second thing is a tool that I would like to give you, okay? It's online, it's completely free. It's a website, the name of the website is mysubplot.com. It's the most challenging thing that you'll ever do. Because what it's going to ask you to do is to go through the roles in your life and define your story. And you're going to sit there and look at that computer screen and go, I don't know. It's good because if you don't know, that means you need to get to praying about something. Because the other day I did it and I sat there and there's some things that are really clearly defined for me. But let me give you one. I sat down and put father. And then I looked at it and said, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I know some things, uh, dreams and stuff, but what, I mean, what what? am I actually working towards here? What is the? What is the goal? And. And it challenged me, and I had to step back and pray. MySubplot.com, again, it's free. It's a great tool for you to go in and evaluate where you are with your story. Now, what I don't want you to do today is to walk out of here, and at the end of this time together, for you to be. I don't ever want you to be Gilligan at all, ever, on any day. All right, just so we all are on the same page. But I don't want you to be Gilligan today. You see, the reason that some of us live in that kind of a life, the reason that we live in that there's a fire and I'm putting it out. There's a fire and I'm putting it out. There's another fire and I'm putting that one out. The reason that some of us live in that tension is just simply because we don't know what story we're living. And we don't know where the conflict is propelling us towards. We don't know how to use what's happening in our lives to take us to the next step in this journey with Jesus. And sometimes it's because We're a lot like Gilligan and the Skipper and that crew. We're lost. And we don't have a story that's going to be written. There's no story that we've embraced in our lives. I don't even know what story is supposed to be. And so today, as you've listened to me talk about this, the story is all about Jesus. It's the same story since the beginning of time. That God loves humanity. He created us for his pleasure, and we blew it up. There was one rule in the garden, don't eat from that tree. They ate from that tree. There's a lot of other trees. Why'd you have to eat from that one? There was only one. But in that, God showed us that even if we had one rule, we'd blow it. Right? Even if if that was all it was. Like, don't eat peanut butter. But I want to eat peanut butter. That's all you got to do for the rest of your life. Just don't eat peanut butter. No, we'll eat peanut butter. That's how stupid we are, really. And so God sent His Son Jesus to ransom us because we blew it, and He died on a cross, carrying your sins and my sins, all of our sins. He carried it to a cross so that the stories that we write that are all wrecked and broken and messed up could be ransomed redeemed and put into his plan god has a plan and a purpose for you and if you'll let him if you'll move away from your story if you'll get out of that and start living his story i can promise you something your life will matter you will make history because that's what a town like albemarle needs is a group of people who say you know what i'm done with my stuff I'm done with the way that I'm living. I'm done with that. I'm going to live out His story in my life. When that happens, somehow, God moves into that story. And He takes little things and makes them big. He transforms communities and people. He just... Does miraculous things and if we can get that and embrace that God can do something miraculous through us let's pray Lord Jesus today as we pause and just sit here for some of us if we look at our stories feels a little a little sad Because we look back in in the theater of our mind, we see a story that's a lot more about us than it is about you. But today, God, move us to repentance so that we can completely surrender. Give you the honor and glory that you are so deserved. Lord, today if there's somebody in here who would say at the end of every day, I'm still left in that conflict. I'm still left in that on that desert island because I don't have that story. I don't have, I don't have this thing that you're talking about. Today, if that's somebody, Lord God, call them into your story. For those of us that are sitting in this room and we feel lost in conflict today, I just want to ask that you would come in and through your grace and mercy, remind us that that conflict is there to move the story along. And most of us are so bent on comfort, if it wasn't for that conflict, we'd probably just sit down and camp. So God, encourage somebody today if they're feeling broken and beat down. Remind them that you got a purpose. And I'd like to take a moment, everybody, nobody looking around, everybody's eyes closed, head bowed. I just want to ask you a question. It's a really simple question today. Are you living his story? Think about that for a second. Are you living his story? Are you? If we were to watch your life unfold in a the theater, as it were, a movie, would we be able to sit back and say, man, that is a story about a God that is able to do immeasurably more than I could ever ask, dream, or imagine? Or is that a, a story about you? Today, if it's a story about you, but you decided, you decide right now, you know what, I'm, not, I'm tired of that story. I'm tired of living that story. I want to embrace God's story in my life today. I'm all about that. If that's you today, would you raise your hand and say that? I just want to pray with you. I see those hands. That's good. Anybody else? I want to embrace God's story in my life. I see them. That's what it's all about. Let me pray for those of you that raise your hands. Actually, I just want to ask another question. I just feel kind of impressed by the Lord. Is there there anybody in here today, and again, nobody looking around, everybody's eyes closed. Is there somebody who who would say, "I've, I've been trying to live what I feel like God's story is, but I feel overwhelmed by conflict right now. I'm going to pray for everybody else, but I just want to speak to you guys for a second and encourage you that you have to choose the story you're going to live. Don't let let the conflict dictate your story. Let it propel your story be encouraged today if that's you be encouraged to know that God sees you he he knows where you're at he he will honor your faithfulness and let's pray for those of us that have chosen today to live God's story Jesus thank you for those people today who said I I really want to live out the story that God has for me God, I just want to thank you for. I want to ask that you encourage them when it gets difficult, when that story gets to be a a long road. God, would you encourage them? And today, God, set them free. Set them free to know that you're the main character. They don't have to be. They don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be the superstar. Set them free to know that in the middle of everything that they can want you and then set them free to know that conflict is always going to be there but it's there to propel that great story that you're going to write through them. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen.